Hello and welcome to my podcast, Tits, Tums and All Things Mum. I am your host Lottie and I am here to normalise the normal mum. Think of this as a coffee morning with that one mum friend that is happy to talk about anything and everything from postpartum sex to that one time your baby shat on your leg in Costa. My guests and I are going to be real, candid and unfiltered. So hold on to your knickers, it's going to be a bumpy ride. On today's episode, I welcome Crystal to talk about birth stories and pregnancy and birth in a pandemic. We talk about our traumatic births and how our second births have healed the scars from our previous trauma, as well as life with a toddler and a newborn. Hey everyone, welcome back to my podcast, Tits, Tums and All Things Mum. I am so happy to welcome Crystal onto today's episode to chat all things birth stories. I've followed Crystal for a really long time on social media and have loved watching her eldest Cova grow up. And now more recently being able to watch her experience her dream birth when she brought beautiful bloom into the world. Hey Crystal, welcome on to today's episode. I'm so excited to have you. Hello, thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. Did you want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes, yeah, so um, I'm Crystal, obviously. Um, I have two little girls. Um, Kova is four and a half and Bloom is three and a half months now. Uh, I live with my partner in Bedfordshire and at the moment I'm focusing on setting up a little side business in photography. So yeah, oh, that's it about me. Yeah. Very exciting. I I lo- always love all your pictures of Cova and Bloom. They're always just so beautifully put together. So that's really good that you're going into photography. I'm sure people are going to absolutely love your work. Oh, thank you. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, they definitely will. If, it, if your Instagram is anything to go by, then definitely. Oh, thank you. Um, I remember, just speaking of uh, Bloom, I remember being so excited when you told me that you were pregnant before you officially announced it on Instagram. Uh, how did you feel when you found out you were pregnant with Bloom? Um, initially, I was so excited. Um, I didn't think I was pregnant at all. Um, it was just, Mike kept saying, you keep peeing every like five minutes, maybe you should do another test. And so he picked me up a clear blue one um, and then I waited until the next day to do it. I went downstairs in the morning and Cova obviously followed because she follows me everywhere. Um, and it came up positive and Cova was the first one to know and I was just crying and she said, Mummy, are you crying happy tears? And I said, yeah, yeah, it's happy tears. And we both went upstairs and told Mike. So it was really nice. It was really sweet. Um, oh, oh, that's so lovely she, that she was the first to know I know she even beat Mike to it but yeah initially it was lovely and I was so excited to be pregnant again and um, but then obviously being pregnant in a pandemic was really scary and then after about two weeks it did start to sink in um, that I could get poorly again like I did with Cova so it was a bit of a it was really happy but also quite a scary time yeah, I, t- I totally get that because I, I had a traumatic birth uh, with my first birth with Bella 
So I totally get like the happiness, but also the anxiety about worrying about whether things are going to go the same way again. Could you talk us through sort of the events leading up to the birth of Kova and what happened in that pregnancy? So, well, it starts at the beginning, really. <laughs> um, so I didn't actually know I was pregnant with Kova until I was almost 14 weeks. Um, oh, wow. We were, I know we were on holiday in Rhodes and we were going out in London and living our best life. Um, we were saving up to go traveling and had all these plans and then... Uh, it was about a week after we came back from Rhodes, I started to feel a bit sick and I was getting really dizzy when I stood up um, and I just thought I caught a bug from the plane and I can't remember what spurred me to do a pregnancy test but obviously it was positive and it was a very big shock for us both mm-hmm. um, and then once that had settled in, um, I suffered quite a lot, I was borderline, um, it's a high uh, I can't ever say it, hypermesis gradivarium. Oh, the sickness, the yeah. The one we got really sick, that one. Um, I was borderline that till about 28 weeks. Um, and then obviously COVID came six weeks early because I had preeclampsia that was undiagnosed. Um, the midwife hadn't tested my urine for a good six, six weeks um, or at least three appointments, I think it was. And then by that time, because it had been undiagnosed, it had developed into help syndrome. So I popped into the doctors because I was having really bad acid reflux to the point of being sick. Um, and it had burnt my nose and my throat and I couldn't talk very well. And um, then I popped into the doctors just to get some tablets. And he said that my blood pressure was high. So we popped up to the hospital and then ended up having her a few hours later from emergency cesarean. So it was all a bit of a whirlwind, really. Wow, from start yeah, to that's finish. crazy. <laughs> Just starting with a bit of acid reflux and then there you go. There's your baby. I know. And it was just, I felt fine in the morning, um, apart from the acid reflux. But I got myself to the doctors and Mike took his van to get a service. And I drove to the hospital and within, I think we got to the hospital around two o'clock. Um, he had to leave to go pick up his van just after they said that I wasn't allowed to leave and I'd probably end up having a baby in the next week. Um, so he he got a taxi to go get his van and come back. And then by about five o'clock, I was deteriorating more. Um, I had swelling on the brain and my kidneys and liver were showing signs of shutting down. Um, and then she was born at five minutes to midnight. So it was all a bit crazy. <laughs> wow, that, that that really is crazy. I mean, that's just mental to think that you went in with acid reflux and then it's kind of just spiralled from there and gone a bit mad. And for you to yeah. not even have known that you were pregnant in the first place and then for it to turn into that, it's just mad. How, how did you feel in that? Pregnancy. Pardon? <laughs> It was a crazy first pregnancy. There yeah. wasn't the sunshine and roses and baby showers and everything that I thought a pregnancy would be. Well, that's kind of what you expect, it. isn't it? And then, and then you have all of these issues that nobody really talks about that much. And, and actually sometimes, and quite a lot of the time, pregnancies aren't all, you know, beautiful, 
amazing glowing and all this this kind of thing you do have these massive issues that end up turning into sort of traumatic experiences yeah it was yeah it was only because I'd seen somebody else on Instagram um have her daughter a lot earlier than me I think she had her daughter at 30 weeks and she had preeclampsia so I was I knew a little bit about it when they said that I had it um but not a lot and I had no idea that I even had developed help syndrome until I had COVID on the Thursday and I didn't know I had help syndrome until the Monday when someone said has no one explained to you why you're so sick and I was like what on earth is help syndrome (laughs) so could you briefly tell us what help syndrome is so it's basically just when it starts to attack your um your platelets so um I think your platelets should be I can't remember if they're supposed to be really high, but I think mine were about eight. My levels were like 18, so they were super low. Um, and it's basically when it's when preeclampsia develops into that, it's just in the placenta. So as soon as you get the placenta out, ideally it should stop and um, everything should be returning to normal and your body should kickstart again. Um, but you can get postpartum preeclampsia as well. So that was also something I was quite scared about this time around because I hadn't had preeclampsia yet and I was waiting for it to happen. Mm. So postpartum, I was constantly checking my blood pressure this time around, hoping that I wouldn't get it secretly when I wasn't in hospital. So yeah. I had no idea that you could get it postpartum as well. That's crazy. I'm not even sure how it works postpartum because it is a placentile issue. Yeah. Um, and usually when the baby's born, that is how you save the mother. You have the baby and everything should return to normal. But so I'm not even sure, entirely sure how you get it postpartum. But that was a terrifying experience to go through with COVID. And then obviously she had to spend time in an ICU. So, yeah, it was very strange. <laughs> yeah. But it's crazy that you don't hear about this stuff, though. Like you're not when you when you find out you're pregnant, you're not told about all of these scary things that can happen because like you I had a disorder in my pregnancy I had something called obstetric cholestasis which is a liver disorder in pregnancy and I had never heard of that before before I was pregnant with Bella and I went in with just itchy hands and feet and all of a sudden they're doing blood tests they're putting me on some weird acid medication with a really long name they're getting me back in for like every other day blood tests they're putting me making me go on bed rest and all these things all for a thing that I'd never even heard of so I'm sure you probably felt the same you said you knew a little bit about preeclampsia but I feel like we're just not warned about the severity of these things no I think a lot of people go in and they your midwives will say like can you do me a urine sample and if you ask them why, they will say, oh, to check for proteins in your urine, this can be a sign of preeclampsia. But you don't, no one sits you down and says, this is what preeclampsia is. This is the signs to look out for. Um, and for preeclampsia, for me, I didn't have, um, usually your blood pressure is high all the time. Mine would dip in and out. And I went to the hospital once before. Um, and by the time I got to the hospital, my blood pressure was fine. So they sent me home. 
and I actually think so I had COVID on the 5th of January and I actually think my preeclampsia started around two weeks before uh, Christmas so she would have been about 30 31 weeks mm. um, and the doctor said if I'd have gone in then and been diagnosed I probably would have had her around Christmas so she would have been even more premature than she was yeah how was that giving birth to a baby that early and for the first few days with her how long was she in NICU for so she was born um on the Thursday I was very sick so I was in recovery for three days um which I don't have any memory of which I still find really difficult because obviously you think oh you've had a baby and your baby's going to be next to you the whole time and you're going to establish breastfeeding and you're going to get all these lovely newborn cuddles but it wasn't that for for us um I was in recovery on a magnesium drip that completely spaced me out I have a big black hole in those three days my parents came to visit me and I don't remember them being there I don't know how long they were there for or what I said to them if I said anything um I got at some point in those three days Mike said that they popped me in a wheelchair and wheeled me in to see Clover but I don't remember that at all um apparently I just went really pale and they said like I wasn't ready so they had to take me back to my bed um and give me more fluids so I don't have any memory of that at all either it's only when I came off my drip on the Sunday morning and then I was taken up to the ward that you go to after you've had a baby mm. um I was taken up there and then they said that I was allowed to go down and see her that was for me that was the first time I met her so she was already three days old I didn't get any newborn pictures of her like when she was just a couple of hours old or a day old um I just had Mike's grainy iPhone pictures to <laughs> to get me through yeah. um so I found it really difficult because I didn't have that rush of bonding that you get when you have a baby you don't have I didn't have that wow oh my gosh look it's my baby and she's beautiful I just didn't have any of it at all so I found yeah. bonding with Clover actually really difficult um just because I didn't feel that initial she's my baby it didn't really feel like she was yeah. so it was yeah it was very hard yeah that must have been so tough but I think that's also the thing is that everyone talks about this incredible rush that you get when you have a baby uh, and you you just instantly fall in love and it's all amazing and you know rainbows and sparkles but actually a lot of mums don't initially feel that way not only because of complications such as yourself and my complications as well that I had and some c-section mums as well they don't get to see their baby straight away because they're kind of whisked off and then brought back um but also mums that do get to hold their baby straight away m might also not get those initial sort of rush feelings of love um and that's okay that's that's completely normal but especially in pregnancies and births such as yours where you've kind of not really met the baby or they've been in NICU um the ones that are born a lot earlier as well that are kind of in incubators for a long time so it must be really really difficult yeah she was we were lucky she was um I was discharged on the Wednesday um and then Cover was discharged on the Friday so we didn't have 
um, any time apart after that, really. Um, I was allowed to stay in the hospital even after I was discharged. So they had little kind of almost like hotel rooms um, in an ICU. And luckily we got one as just as a couple and their baby were discharged a few hours before. So we managed to stay there with her um, until she was able to come home. So that was good that she only had a short stay. Yeah. Um, it could have been a lot longer. So we were grateful that she was such a tough little cookie. <laughs> Yeah, that is really good because I hear of even sort of like 35, 36 weekers having to stay for sort of a substantial amount of time. So that's really good. Tough little cookie, yeah, as you say. Was, yeah, she was a fighter. She came, to be fair, she didn't really need any help either. She had she had the heat lamp on. Um, I think she just had extra fluids when she was born. And then she was fine. She wasn't on... Um, obviously, she had a feeding tube in the beginning, um, but that was all she had. She didn't need any extra oxygen or anything at all. So she just came out ready, <laughs> even oh, though she was only £4.9. But she oh. was, yeah, she was just rocked it from the beginning. So oh, very her. proud of her. <laughs> yeah. What's it like being a NICU mum? And have you got like, a piece of advice for anyone to help them get through that time if they're going through it now? I would say take every day as it comes. Um, don't look, don't set yourself saying, oh, I want them to be home by this day. I want them, don't step too far ahead. I'll take every single day as it comes, especially with um, pre- like babies who are even more premature than COVID. She was 34 weeks. Um, and there can be setbacks. You could be doing great one day and the next day they might need a little bit more help or they might need to go in for jaundice or they will have their, they might fail a hip test or a hearing test, but it isn't the end of the world and there will be a day when you can bring your baby home. So it feels like forever, but it, it won't be forever. So, and also look for um there is in asda and Mox and spencer's i would say are the best shops that i found for premature baby vests because obviously they can't wear onesies in hospital um but they are allowed to wear little vests and those were the best for us they were great fitting um and also just really easy to get on and off they had the side buttons so when my friend had another she had her premie um at 30 weeks only a few months after I did, and I went out and stocked up for her, because um, I just found them so helpful. Yeah. See, that's the thing as well. You just don't know what size they're going to come out at. So even Bella, when she came out at 37 weeks, because um, I had to be induced early, she was tiny. And I'd only bought newborn clothes plus. So I had like newborn and naught to three months. And when she came out, we put her in a newborn baby grow and it drowned her. So I had to send my family down to the little shop in the hospital where volunteers had like made clothes for babies and things like that. And we bought her a few bits from there while we waited for people to bring in like tiny baby and prem baby clothes because she wasn't that early so I didn't think that she would be that tiny but she just was so you never really know what size they're going to be 
Well, this is this time, like with when I had Bloom. Um, obviously, we I didn't find out the sex this time around. I did know that Pope was a girl, um, but we chose not to find out this time, given the year with COVID and everything else. And yeah. I thought it'd be lovely to have a surprise. But so obviously, I didn't know what color to take into the hospital, and I had no idea how big a term baby would be because all I know is premie baby mm. so I was like is newborn too big is it too small like am I gonna have a giant baby um but actually Bloom came out at six pound eleven and she was wearing her sister's tiny baby clothes so <laughs> yeah so it was yeah it's just you just don't know no. it's not a cut and dry newborn fits all like Gosh, she's only. I had the opposite with Bailey because I had um he came out, well he wasn't big he was seven seven, but he was massive, and newborn didn't fit him, so I was like right I had the opposite issue with your sister and now I've got to send people out to get naught to three months because newborn doesn't fit you. So oh, is he just long? He's just long, yeah. He still is really long. He's in nine to twelve month clothes and he's four months old, so. Oh my goodness. He's just a big boy. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Bloom's only she's just coming out of newborn. Um oh, she's wearing her she's wearing her first pieces of zero to three oh. and she's almost four months. So such a dinky little thing, bless her. I think she takes after me. I think she's just short. Destined oh, yeah. to be short. Bailey <laughs> definitely takes after Alec with his his six foot three or whatever. He's gonna be massive. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, so did you receive any support or counselling or anything following the trauma from Cova's birth? So not initially. I was because everything was just such a whirlwind and I didn't feel like I had control over anything that happened. I didn't feel like I had control over my pregnancy because I was on the pill when I got pregnant with Clover, mm. so um, I didn't have control over that. I didn't have control over when I had her. I didn't have control over feeding her because breastfeeding wouldn't work because she's she was just so early and small. Mm. Um, we persevered and did combi feeding for a few weeks, but it wasn't really beneficial. Um, and so I just really wanted to do it myself, and I was adamant I was fine. And everyone kept telling me, as long as, like, oh, well, she's fine now. Look at her now. She's big now. And it was all, she's fine now. So in my head, I was like, well, she's fine. And everyone's focusing on her being fine. Therefore, I have to be fine. Because no one's asked me if I'm okay. So I'll just be okay. And it was only up until I was struggling, but I just didn't know I was struggling. Because... Not everybody who has postpartum depression feels sad. Like you can have depression and not have sadness. You can just feel a bit empty. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I had. But I just, I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm fine. And shook it off until it was COVID's one year check at, um, with the health visitor. And I went in and she was lovely and chatty. And she said, and how's mum? And I think it felt like the first, that was the first person that's asked me how I am in that whole year. 
it felt like that was the only person that really wanted to know how I was. And then as soon as she asked, I just burst into I just burst into tears. I couldn't breathe. I felt like the world was closing in around me and it was just all of the the pregnancy shock, the birth shock, the recovery, the whole year of being a first time mum just felt like everything had just fallen on top of me with that one question. And she just replied and said, well, not well then. (laughs) And I was like, no. So she referred me to have some counselling and I had 10 weeks of counselling. And I think the first session I had, I just cried for a full hour. And I I felt so much better for just crying to somebody that would listen, but also didn't have anything to listen to. But it was just somebody that was out of the loop and wasn't a friend or family or anybody that I felt would judge. It was just somebody that I could unload to. Um, And I found it really helpful that I felt so much better and like I'd found myself again after those 10 weeks. So knowing like everything that I went through, I'm so conscious of asking mums how they are doing like not their baby I always ask them first now because when you have a new baby it's all about the baby isn't it like yeah. you're oh let me hold her and let me let me have a look let me have a cuddle and it you might feel like mum new mums get lost a bit and yeah. you feel lost anyway because you feel like you've pretty much lost yourself <laughs> yeah so I think it's really important to ask how mums are actually doing before you ask about the baby definitely so, yeah gosh you made me all emotional then as well <laughs> just like was, thinking yeah back. it was a lot <laughs> yeah just thinking back because it's so true you just you just don't get asked it's all how's the baby is the baby doing this are they doing that how are they sleeping and actually you're you could just be there like at your lowest point feeling awful but having to hold yourself together because you've got this little thing this little baby that's reliant on you and actually inside you're like you're falling apart so yeah just just gave me all the feels then like thinking back to <laughs> sort of how you how you do feel back then um but yeah I'm with you on that I definitely ask mums how they're feeling now rather than straight to the baby because yeah I've been there it's just it it can be a, a dark time for mums but on the outside they're smiling they're happy They might even sort of look sort of normal with makeup on and everything, but you never know what's going on underneath. Yeah, I think it's really important to, even if you're just having a bad day, just tell anyone that you're having a bad day because it helps you and it helps somebody else understand that, like, it's okay to talk and open up Mm. and for that person to be like, oh, okay, well, I'll pay more attention kind of thing, so... Yeah. yeah especially if you've had a traumatic birth and pregnancy as well because it's just such a scary scary time and although you've made it through and you're out the other side it's just such a scary thing to have been through mm, it's a lot to process like I remember the one doctor saying like thank god you went to the doctors because if you'd have gone to sleep that on that that Thursday I wouldn't have woken up Oh my god, and why that, did they tell you that? That's horrible. I know. And I was like, okay, that's a lot to process. And those words pinged around my brain for months 
and they still do and it freaks me out like what if I hadn't gone in oh what God. if like what if I didn't have reflux that morning yeah. like and I do think everything happens for a reason but I'm just so grateful that Mike was like right this is ridiculous like you shouldn't be throwing up acid like this you need to go to the doctors so mm-hmm. it was just it was a lot to process in your head about how lucky you are but then also deal with this little tiny baby that needs you for everything and you're not getting enough sleep so you're not allowing your body to rest and your mind to rest Mm. so you can process so it is it can be a very drastic being a new mum and especially a mum that's had a traumatic birth so yeah it's a lot sometimes but you've also been through this like this experience that as you say could have killed you but you you have to birth this baby you have to look after this baby potentially feed them if you're able to even though you've just been through like such a traumatic experience like I remember after having Bella I had a major hemorrhage and and I was also told that I could have died as well and you're processing that you're also you've just given birth like you've got this new baby Bella was also she had jaundice so she was under the lights so you're trying to deal with that as well it's just so much in those first like few weeks and days that you're expected to process as a mum so it's it's no wonder like you say that you've got a year down the line before you actually realize oh shit I need some help here you know because a year in the life of a mum is actually not a lot when you've got all that to kind of process. Yeah, it is a lot. Like, it's a wild time, especially, like, comparing yourself as well, yeah. thinking, like, my sister's had two babies, and she just popped them out, no problem. <laughs> like, breezed through pregnancy, just got on with it, carried on going to work, carried on going to, on the tube in London, like, did it like a boss, and... I was like, why can't I do it? Why why do I have to be the one that breaks? And that was frustrating as well. Like, I was really envious of people that could, that just looked happy and they were glowing and having this beautiful pregnancy. And there was me feeling like I was dragging my ass behind me the whole time trying to catch up with what's happening. And I found it really difficult to talk to anybody that had a baby for quite a while I didn't want to talk about birth I didn't want to hear about their baby at all Mm. and I must have come across horrible but (laughs) at the time I just couldn't I didn't want to hear about happy stories because I didn't have mine so which but sometimes yeah you're allowed to be selfish like that was just how I was coping yeah I totally relate I, I felt exactly the same all of my friends had had like the simplest pregnancies. A lot of them had have had home births as well, which is something that I, before I had this traumatic birth, that is something that I would have loved to have done. And then I had this awful pregnancy. I was so sick all the way through without knowing that it was obstetric cholestasis because I didn't get diagnosed until 33 weeks. Um, then I was really poorly after that then had this major hemorrhage and I'm just thinking this is not how birth is how pregnancy and birth is supposed to be like why why is it me but then moving on from this if we look at our second pregnancies and births 
what a contrast those are. Did you want to tell us a little bit about how your pregnancy was with Bloom? Yeah, so now I'm that jerk that had the perfect pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, you are, and so am I. <laughs> I know. Um, well, yeah, I was, still, I was still sick. Like, I the most annoying thing, I think, about this pregnancy was I had been vegetarian I went vegetarian last January and I was loving it and I felt really good and I loved my food choices and as soon as oh I don't know maybe six seven weeks hit all the baby wanted was chicken <laughs> and I just remember crying because <laughs> I really wanted a chicken sandwich oh, no. but I didn't want to eat meat and I was like oh but I really want it though and then I had one and I cried because it tasted amazing <laughs> and that was that and then I wasn't vegetarian I think in the first six weeks I ate probably I did freezer worth of halloumi from <laughs> Aldi I ate all the halloumi burgers the halloumi fries I had halloumi burgers on a barbecue with cheese like burger cheese on top of that so like cheese double cheese burger yeah and it was great and now I can't stand the stuff oh, um but yeah I just I had like the as the standard pregnancy of my sickness ended at 15 weeks um second trimester and then I had about three days of being sick at around 20 weeks for some random reason um but I felt great and I felt really confident and I loved seeing my bump grow and I embraced everything this time. I didn't want to sit and grovel about, oh, my, my everything's getting bigger and I can't fit in this and I can't fit in that. I just really tried to soak in it knowing that this might be my last baby. So I didn't want to dwell on the negatives too much. So I really tried to embrace every second of being pregnant um, and I loved it. And then to be fair, when 34 weeks was coming up, I was getting quite anxious. Um, I was looked after very well this time around. Um, I had consultant appointments and midwife appointments basically every other week, um, keeping a very close eye on me, my blood pressure and my protein levels. Um, so it was very reassuring. So I felt like I didn't have to worry because I knew on paper everything was going the right direction. Um, but yeah, I did have a bit of a wobble around 34 weeks because I was like, oh, what if it happens again? If it's going to happen again, it'll happen now. Um, but once we'd gone past 34 weeks, I felt great. I was loving the fact that I could now be that full-term pregnant person that can complain about how big their bump is because I didn't get to do that the first time around. Um, and then, yeah, I went, I was due to be induced um, on at 39 weeks on the dot and went into spontaneous labor the day before uh and then had her early that saturday morning um did it like completely without pain relief right up until pushing i had gas and air i don't even know how i did it i was on a zoom call with my friends from instagram while i was about six centimeters um just dipping in and out of the conversation between contractions and i don't know how i did that either um and it because was you're amazing that pal well I just thought I'd been a lot more pain <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely thought I would be one of those screaming banshees uh freaking out being like get it out get it out but I loved it and 
I thoroughly enjoyed my labour. I didn't feel any pain. I just went with it and worked totally relaxed. And I found it like such a lovely experience, like a day out. I was like, I can do this again about yeah. 20 minutes after. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing because I know how much you really wanted that spontaneous labour and spontaneous birth. So I'm so glad you got it like just the day before you were due to be induced as well. Because I know we kept chatting because I was the same. I really didn't want to be induced again. So when it both happened, it happened for both of us. I was like, yes, we've done this. I know. And I feel like I know quite a few people that have been so lucky um, with having their second and all around the same time as us. Um, but other people that had hard first babies and this time they went into spontaneous labor, had their baby and it went great. And I don't know whether it's just karma for having such a terrible year in 2020. <laughs> but it yeah it's been and it's been so lovely to see other people that obviously last time I didn't want to hear it but this time I'm like loving everyone's positive birth stories and how people got their dream birth and I think it's it's just been amazing this time around and I generally feel like I could do it again tomorrow it was just the stitches and oh, that gosh. was out of my control so <laughs> just the, the stitches. stitches that I didn't enjoy but even that, I had gas and air through the stitches, and the gas and air is a brilliant thing oh, that I have is. never experienced before. And wow, what time that was! That was, yeah, it was very enjoyable. <laughs> Makes you feel high as a kite, doesn't it? Well, I don't really drink anymore. I haven't drunk for a few years. I'm like the boring one out of our group, but always a designated driver. Um, so this threw me back to being in college and drinking and that's why I just kept saying it feels like a Wednesday and Mike was standing there like what the hell it's not Wednesday it's a Saturday and he didn't understand and Wednesdays were the nights that we used to go out in college and get really drunk because my face was hot and I just felt high as a kite and yeah. I just felt really hammered <laughs> but actually you were in hospital with your legs up on stirrups with someone stitching your vag back together <laughs> exactly and the most embarrassing thing was the, when I got to the Mike dropped me off at the hospital and um, I used an app that tells me when I should go into the hospital and I already ignored it twice mm. so I was like I don't feel like I'm in enough pain to go to the hospital yet and then I was like oh okay maybe I should go because otherwise I'm not going to be able to sit in the car and mm. he dropped me off at the door and I said just go home because I'll probably only be like 3 centimetres so you may as well just go home and I'll tell you when to come back and I got into, because it was around half 11, the doors were all shut and I got to the main door and luckily a consultant was walking past um, and saw me, she opened the door and I had a contraction right in the doorway and this, this automatic door was going, uh, 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 like trying to shut on me. And she was like, it's fine, it's fine, just breathe through it. And that was the same consultant that did my stitches. So while I was breathing deep on my gas and air I said to her thank you so much for opening and shutting my doors <laughs> as she was stitching my doors back together <laughs> oh dear I hope and she knew what you meant God. I think she did Mike said that it was mortifying and he wished he could unhear it but I don't even remember saying it but yeah <laughs> the things was... we say though during childbirth that's hilarious I feel like it could have been worse I feel yeah. like it could have been worse. Oh, I'm glad I didn't say anything too embarrassing. 
Well, I had an epidural, so when they were stitching me back together, I couldn't feel anything. And it took them about maybe like an hour and a half. So they were just like prodding and poking down there for so long and I couldn't feel it. So it was really weird. Oh, Lord, I don't I don't I think I just blanked it out, although I did take a video um, because I was on Zoom to my friends um, during my labor. They said they were all telling me stories about their gas and air um, experiences. Mm-hmm. And at some point while on gas and air and having my stitches, um, I took like a selfie video of me puffing around gas and air. And wow, I look terrible. <laughs> I look like awful. I just look like I've drunk 10 litres of vodka. Um, and yeah, I'm just glad that I didn't accidentally swing the camera around at any point in that video. <laughs> that would not have been a pretty sight, would it? <laughs> it's been very memorable for all, all involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so moving on, I just wanted to briefly talk about how it has been having a baby in a pandemic. I have found this the second pregnancy to be so, so different to the first. But I think it's really hard to know if that's due to it being the second pregnancy or because of COVID. There just didn't seem to be like as much excitement towards me and we didn't get to celebrate in the way that we did before or experience scans or anything together how did you find it being pregnant and giving birth in a pandemic um so yeah initially I think the worry of being pregnant again and possibly facing another preeclampsia situation um I found it quite I was quite scared, um, thinking, like, I'm not going to see my family, like, they can't visit me in hospital like they did before. Um, but on the flip side, while I was being sick and we hadn't really told anybody, um, I didn't really want to tell. I had, I don't know whether it was the pandemic and everything around us was so negative, um, but I had just had this impending doom feeling throughout my first trimester of something was going to go wrong and I was terrified something was going to happen because I just felt oh surely I can't have like a lovely happy pregnancy this time around um so we didn't tell anybody and I found it quite lonely but at the same time I was quite grateful that I didn't have to see anybody so all through being sick I didn't have to go to my parents or my like parents-in-law or um see anyone and make an excuse of why I'm sick so it was quite like a good like easy way out for us in the beginning um so I did quite enjoy that part of it was a much slower pace and there was no rushing around going to birthdays going to this going to that um and just before I think it was the week of lockdown or the week after I actually lost my job um which was very frustrating um I didn't know I was pregnant at that point um and yeah it was that was hard but then I feel like everything happens for a reason and if I had had to keep going to work um being that sick I don't know how I would have coped either because it's a half an hour drive to where I did work um so there was that as well that I thought well clearly it wasn't meant to be right now but this baby is so there was definitely that side of it that was, it was scary, but enjoyable, 
Um, yeah. And I was I was quite worried that my care would be a bit slack as well. Um, everyone being so short staffed and everybody running around with um, COVID patients, I was quite worried that um, it would be easy to miss if I got sick again. Um, but I can't fault the care that I had from the NHS this time around at all. They were on point with every single appointment. Um, so it was quite reassuring. So because I was reassured from the people that mattered, um, I felt like I could relax a bit more, which is maybe why I had such a good pregnancy, because I could just chill out and mm. go at my own pace with Cova and just relax, let my body relax and do its thing. Yeah. So I feel like they're really supportive of mums who have had a traumatic experience before. Uh, because they offer like the debrief service where you can go in and talk about your previous experiences. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, they offered, they gave me a consultant appointment where we talked about all of the things that they were going to do to prevent the same thing happening again. So it was mm. really nice to have that little bit of peace of mind, knowing that, yes, the same thing could happen again but they've got everything in place to kind of prevent it and treat it, treat it if it does happen. Yeah, they definitely, um, I probably, I don't, I'm not a very confident person. I, I'm the worst person at standing up for myself. Um, but I feel like doing hypnobirthing this time around, I was really my biggest advocate. And I went in and I said, look, I want to know what's going to happen. I want to know what's going to happen if this happens again. I need a plan, like, just until 30 weeks, and then we'll deal with another plan after that. And as long as everything happened, how it was supposed to happen in that plan, I was all right. And it was only towards the end when they started changing things, and I was far further along than I thought I would get. It got a bit unknown for me, and felt like I was losing control again. Um, but they were so helpful with saying like that's fine like you can do it you can have your um you can have your v-back this time um and they were so supportive of me going for a v-back after my cesarean mm. um and they said like it'll be the last resort last resort is another c-section for you mm. um and i found it so helpful that me going in all guns blazing most of the time and they were like it's fine we got you it's all right so yeah they were really really good this time around yeah that's really good uh my I feel like my second birth has healed the mental scars from my first birth is that sort of how you feel as well oh 100% like I think that's why it took such a long time for us to like I didn't feel any name that we came up with for bloom was right for her for such a long time because she... yeah you took ages to name her didn't you how long was oh, it well it was three weeks mm. because I th don't think it helped my I didn't help myself by not finding out the gender mm, yeah um shot myself in the foot there I had 100% one name that if it was a boy just one name and that was it. No matter what it looked like, it was that name because I didn't like any other boy names. Mm. But girl names, I had lists for days. Um, but she was, yeah, just the, the labour was so relaxed. I didn't have any drugs at all 
until the pushing stage and I only pushed for six minutes mm. um I it was just such a healing experience with like every contraction I didn't feel pain it was just like one step closer to seeing who is in my tummy and who like has been kicking me this whole time and the little nudges and everything and even having her it was just such an like an overwhelming feeling um and it just felt almost like a really spiritual experience for me and I didn't have any fears after I didn't I just didn't feel anything negative at all for days and days and days and it was such a high that I just knew that nothing no name could possibly encapsulate everything that she is Mm. um so it took us three weeks to decide on bloom and then another week to decide on her middle name because bloom is a great name for a middle name Mm. not so much as a first name because nothing goes with it (laughs) yeah um but yeah then we came up with aurora and it was just perfect for her it's just such a beautiful name so is cova though like i just love your girls names they're so beautiful well, I think, yeah, again, I shot myself in the foot with calling my first cover because I needed something that would match up to it. I couldn't mm. just call her Louise or no. something normal. Not that I would do normal because that's just not, it's not me. Mm. Um, and I think Mike got quite frustrated that it's that I don't do normal. I think she was born and they, uh, we found out she was a girl and <laughs> Mike was holding her. And I think I was getting my stitches and he was just wandering around holding her in the room. And he said, Rachel. And I was like, what? <laughs> Cobra and, and Rachel. Like, well, I was like, what? I was like, are you calling me Rachel? Because that's not my name. So who are you talking about? <laughs> and he was like, she looks like a Rachel. And I was like, no, she doesn't. I was like, take it back right now. And I, uh, I still give him so much. Like, I still take the piss out of him for saying Rachel because I'm like, that is, like, do people even call their kids Rachel anymore? Like, mm-hmm. is that even a name? And I was like, me? You just suggested that to me. I was like, just don't even talk to me for, like, ten minutes. Do you even know I, me? I, I know. I was like, what a randomly, like, just standard name. And I was like, no, she's so special. Yeah. There's no way in hell I'm just going to call her Rachel. So I was yeah. like, well, that was a stupid input. And then I don't think he really suggested any of the names. <laughs> because I don't think he's ever going to list that down. No. Um, but we did jokingly kept calling her Rachel but when we didn't have a name for her. Because it was just it was just really funny. Yeah. Um, but I think Bloom, because it means a beautiful process of becoming. Yeah. Um, I just thought well that's everything that I wanted to be the first time around um so she was so healing for me like every single from beginning to end it was just such a healing experience and yeah I would do it again in a flash would you (laughs) see I've said no I've said no more Oh, much to my... Well, I would do the birth again. I don't know whether I'd cope with having an actual baby. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I think the same for me, actually. Like, I'd give birth again, but then the newborn stage, not so much. They're cute and all that, and they're good to squish and cuddle, but uh, I don't know about the rest of it. (laughs) I love the newborn stage. I just... They don't answer you back like a four-year-old does. 
Oh yeah. And they don't have opinions and they don't really have preferences. Although mm. if Bloom doesn't go to bed by half nine, if she's not upstairs in our bed with the duvet, she shouts until you put her upstairs in the duvet and then she snuggles in and watches telly with us yeah. and then she shouts again to be put in her bed. So she does have preferences. But <laughs> Yeah, Bailey's Bailey's but... shouting time is around four PM till about six o'clock. So that's just when we're making and eating dinner. He has this really loud, we call him Foghorn, because he just has this <laughs> shout. It's not even a cry. It's just like a, like, kind of noise. I'm like, oh, Aww. here he goes. Here goes the Foghorn. Oh, bless him. They do always know, though, when you're eating, when at all, any meal, they're like, oh, you're eating. I'll wake up then. Yep, time I to shout. I like my dinner with you. <laughs> yeah, bless him. I have, yeah, we've definitely... Um, perfected being ambidextrous this time around. Oh yeah. Um, swapping her from one boob to the other while trying to eat my dinner with my left hand and then my right hand. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's Alex had to feed me many a time. <laughs> oh dear. The things we do for these kids, eh? But I totally agree about the whole um, it healing you as well. I, I mean, I didn't know that it was going to heal me until after the birth because obviously a hemorrhage is after you've given birth so mm. once so I'd had a beautiful labor with Bailey yes I had an epidural but he was back to back and then got stuck sideways so oh. I had to have an epidural and I was fine with that and kind of progressed through the last bit of labor um quite relatively easily um and then I gave birth to him and everything was fine. But I was just literally sitting there waiting to bleed, basically, which was quite a scary thing um, because that's what happened last time. Obviously, last time I didn't expect it. I gave birth to Bella and then all of a sudden all the alarms were going off. People were running in, had no idea what was going on. And I was literally waiting for that to happen this time. And when it didn't happen, I just felt this massive like, oh, wow everything's going to be okay and like that was my moment for me of realizing that this birth had healed me yeah gosh I can't even imagine especially if you didn't know what was going on no exactly you'd be like why who's this wrong room what's going on yeah when I, I could hear the blood dripping on the floor that's very graphic but that's what I could hear and that's the sound that I always re remember in my head from that first mm. birth and I was like oh I don't want to do that again that was so scary so now yeah. I just feel like feel like it's gone so definitely these second births have have healed us yeah I would say the only thing that I didn't enjoy this time around was actually my water's breaking <laughs> I didn't like again I had no idea what to expect because I didn't have that first time around um, they broke my waters while I was having my C-section and I felt it on my side. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my water's wet. <laughs> um, but this time it was like somebody kicked me in the back. Yeah. And it wasn't even, a, everyone says like, oh, you can hear a pop. Mine yeah. was like an internal bang. Yeah. And that's literally the only way I can describe it was a bang. Yeah. And I didn't know what was happening to me. And I completely panicked. And I was, I stood up for the whole of my labor yeah. Um, but it it was horrible, and I was like, that hurt more than I thought it would. Yeah. And the midwife was like, oh, it's your waters, it's fine. And I was like, are you sure? I think something's wrong. What's happening to me? She was like, it's fine. It's, it's totally such normal. a weird like, feeling, isn't it? I was like, that was horrible. Like yeah. that was 
I would rather push out a baby than have my waters break again. Yeah. It was really just very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I remember being mid-contraction and I was literally puffing on my gas and air, stood up at the edge of the bed and I just heard the pop and then I felt like the warm water running down my leg and I just took the gas and air out of my mouth and went, my waters have gone and shoved it back in again. <laughs> and then it was just I all over the floor. when mine went. He hadn't even come back to the hospital at that point. And I was really? like, uh, from what I've seen in movies, <laughs> because that's all I have to base my birth on, yeah. um, I was like, surely she'll be coming out, like, soon. No. And the midwife was like, well, I think she thought, they initially thought, oh, well, she's going to be here a while. Technically, it's her first birth, because I hadn't laboured at all with Clover. Yeah. So my body hadn't done this before. So they thought it would be quite a long time. Um, but because I was progressing so fast, um, I was at 10 centimetres where my waters went mm. and Mike wasn't there and the midwife had to call him and was like, where are you? And he was like, I'm just parking and trying to carry everything. She's like, okay, that's good. You might just want to maybe just jog a little bit. And she was obviously trying not to panic me, but mm. also not to panic Mike, but to also tell him to hurry the hell up. Yeah. So it was a bit like, okay, I'll just hold it in then <laughs> for a minute until he gets here. Yeah, I thought, like, we packed, like, God, Mike came running in and he had about 10 bags. And there was, like, my wheelie bag and the baby's bag and his bag because, obviously, with COVID, he wasn't allowed to leave. Mm. Um, so he didn't know how long he was going to be bunking down in this room for. So he obviously bought, like, a world of snacks. She's <laughs> um, just a bag full of food. And, um, yeah, it was so funny watching him running in, like, is it okay? Is everything okay? And um, I was like, yep, still pregnant. It's okay. I thought, because the consultant, I obviously had to be consultant-led this time around. Yeah. Um, the consultants popped in and said, like, hi, we're your consultants. We'll come back every four hours to check on you. And um, they didn't, I only met them once. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't get a chance to come back again because she came so quick. So they said, like, oh, if you have a, if you have another one, don't wait at home for as long as you did, because <laughs> it'll probably happen even quicker. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I think from the first contraction to her coming out was twenty-four hours and seventeen minutes. Oh, that's good. So it was just, it was a lot quicker than I thought. And then Mike obviously had to carry all those bags back out again. Yeah. Because I had her at seventeen minutes past three in the morning. Yeah. Um, and then he had to leave because. They were going to let me go home, yeah. um, but some of my kidney levels came back a bit funny. Mm. So given my preeclampsia history, they wanted to keep me in overnight to check that everything was okay. Um, so then he had to go home, which that was a bit hard as well, like not being able to have your partner like stay or go up to the ward with you and sit with you for a while. Yeah. Um, it was a bit daunting, like, okay, I've just had a baby. I'm going to be completely on my own. Like, Mike's going home. Mm. Um, okay, then, I'll just go do it on my own then. Yeah. Um, so I found that was a bit scary, just to kind of have that on your own. Yeah. And just be like, bye, see you hopefully soon. Yeah. Hopefully you can come pick me up soon. Yeah. Um, it was, that was a weird thing of, having a baby in a pandemic as well like yeah. worrying about being on your own and then actually being on your own for a while and yeah I know so many people that their partners missed their birth 
because of covid because they couldn't come with them and i'm like it's crazy that a virus that's gone global has now robbed so many dads of so many experiences like mm. mike wasn't allowed to come to any of the scans so he felt super detached from the whole pregnancy i was loving life like feeling great and because i was feeling great i think he just forgot i was pregnant um until yeah having the baby and then he had to kind of hold her and then go home <laughs> yeah yeah I, I was only in the hospital for 24 hours because <laughs> i went in at the midnight i had him midday and then i was determined to get out by that midnight uh, alec had gone home and left me at about 9 p.m um but i was determined to go home but i'd had a catheter because i'd had um an epidural and they needed me to do a wee before I could go and literally at like quarter to midnight I did a wee and I was like right I'm going home I didn't care that it was midnight I was like I need Alec I can't be here on my own it's scary oh I really don't like hospitals at night time and you always get like an absolute beast of a snorer no matter where you are yeah always somebody on your ward snores like absolute horn Well, I never went to the ward. I was still on the delivery suite because I'd never, I never got discharged to the ward because I was like, nope, I'm going straight home. Oh, so it would have been nice to do that. And I find that mental after having, after being in hospital for like a week Mm. and a day last time. Yeah. I always found it super strange that people could go in and have a baby and leave the same day. I couldn't get my head around it at all. Well, you've literally been teared You've been torn know, a I new a-hole. You've got a um, wound the size of a dinner plate inside your abdomen. And you're just sent home. I don't understand. And I'm like, and also I just don't understand how people could, they walk. Because I didn't walk. With great difficulty. Five, I didn't walk till day five after yeah. my C-section. Um, because he, the surgeon tore my hip muscle when he went in because he only cut a small incision because obviously COVID was so small um, but his hands were bigger he didn't I don't know why he didn't think of that but he didn't and he <laughs> tore my hip muscle when he went in um, so I couldn't put any weights on that one side and when I, I had Bloom she was like okay like the stitches are done you're all good let's get you up and I was like what Go for a She's shower. Like, yeah, let's get you up. And I was like, what on earth are you talking about? I can't get up. She was like, yes, you can. <laughs> like, are you insane? I was like, yeah. I've just had a baby. Like, what kind of stupid person are you? Like, <laughs> why would you want me to get up? And she was like, swinging my legs around and like holding my hands and pulling me up. And I was like, oh my God. And I remember saying to my, look, I'm walking. Yeah. <laughs> like I've been in a wheelchair for the whole of my life or something. Yeah. And I just found it so bizarre that yeah. I could walk after having baby and like, they make you shower and everything and like you're just stood there like bleeding everywhere swollen showering I nearly fainted in the, yeah I nearly fainted in the shower yeah I just remember getting too hot and then I, I think I showered my legs and I got out I was like nope that's enough for me yeah and then I was just really wobbly and just but I was like how bizarre like you've just pushed a human <laughs> out of you mm. like you've been stitched back up again and then expected to walk around like oh my god yeah <laughs> it's baffling it's so isn't bizarre. It? we are but, amazing creatures aren't we really 
I know, and people say that, the, like, women aren't the superior gender. I'm like, sorry, guys. Come but, on you know, now. We literally grow people. Yep, we do. And then, and then just crack on with life as, as if it hasn't happened. I know, and I find it just insane that Bloom is nearly four months old and she has survived all that time purely from me. Yeah. And that I find insane. Yeah. Like, I find that mental because I couldn't do it with Clover. Yeah. And I felt such a sense of like failure because my body failed to birth her and then I failed to feed her and it was just all that failure. And then now this time around, I'm like, what is happening? You're doing amazingly. Um, I just find it bizarre. I'm like, the human, well, the female body is awesome. <laughs> it is. It is. Saves you so much money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, how are the girls? Is Kova loving being a big sister? She is doing really well. Um, initially, we did have um, a bit of a backstep to Kova. She actually developed a stammer, um, which I haven't really spoken about at all anywhere. Um, I don't know why. I just don't feel ready to talk about it. Um, but it was basically I went in when I got um, I got admitted for 24 hours when I was still pregnant with Bloom um, because my blood pressure um hit a peak so they thought maybe my preeclampsia was going to come back um and i went into hospital and she was fine talking fine like she's always been really good with her speech um and i was only gone for 24 hours and then i came home and she was trying to talk to me and she couldn't get a sentence out and i was like what's happened i was like i have only been gone for 24 hours like and she's broken like, I just think, I kept thinking to myself, oh my god, I've broken my child. Like, what happened? And she's never been apart from me. Like, when I go home to see my family, she comes with me. So she's used to being away from Mike, but I've never really left her mm. at all. And I didn't realise that until when I went to hospital, that I'd never been a day without her. Um, so that was really hard. And I was like, oh my god, I've broken my child and thinking oh my body's going to fail again with this baby um i found it really hard and she is getting better she's definitely improved um but then it took a back step she got a little bit better and then she took a back step again when i went back to hospital to have bloom mm. um but we made a big deal of it and saying like mommy's coming back i'm coming back i'm just gonna go have your baby sister or brother and then i'm gonna come home um and she was like okay um but you could tell it upset her a lot and she kept saying like you're not gonna you're not going back to hospital now mommy are you're not gonna leave me again and I just remember feeling so crushed I was like oh my god like she didn't think I was gonna come back and it just oh it hurt my heart so much and she's still she's still struggling with it but she's definitely improving um and I'm just hoping by September when she starts school full-time that it will all be okay again um but she's definitely improving i think she's getting used to blooming around and knowing i'm not going anywhere again um i think that's helping her but yeah that's been something that i didn't know would happen or could happen like i know children struggle with behavior when they have a new sibling or they might become a little bit shy or reserved or things like that i just didn't expect that to happen no, I've so, never heard of that either. Bella struggled and, with her behaviour and sleep, but 
I didn't know that that was a thing. Did you did you take her to the doctors or anything or did you just Google and find out that it was a thing? Have you got any support with it? Um, so I spoke to the health visitor um, and luckily, thank God, our health visitor this time around with Bloom has been amazing. She's so lovely. She was so supportive throughout. Well, obviously, Bloom had tongue tie. Um, and she was really supportive with um, Bloom's tongue tying, getting that sorted as soon as she could. So I just said, like, I know this isn't your job, like COVID isn't um, your responsibility at the moment, but do you have any advice? And she said that she was actually dealing with another mother going through exactly the same thing, mm-hmm. um, had a newborn, um, and her son had, his speech had completely regressed. Mm-hmm. So she was like, it can happen. She was like, I've seen it a few times. Um, it's just they, their brain isn't processing quick enough for their words to get out. So they, it's almost like it backs up, like all these words are trying to get out at one time and nothing but just stammer comes out. Mm. Um, and it's obviously like such a big adjustment for her being with me for four years and being an only child and having all my attention to suddenly me leaving and then coming back. And I told her I'd only be a couple of hours, but then obviously I didn't come back for 24 hours. I didn't expect to be admitted. Um, so it was just a lot. And But she said it is like a lot more common than I think. And I haven't broken my child, which was a massive relief because I just thought it was all my fault. Um, and yeah, she, there's, there was a little speech group um, that she would have been referred to but she's too old um it's to help kids with speech who are under three like develop their speech but she obviously is above that age group um so i've been working with her teachers in school um they're just giving her like a little more attention with conversation um reading to her a little bit more and getting her to talk through the books a little bit so she's having to vocalize more in school Mm. And they said they've seen such a big improvement. Um, and they also said with stammers, it is something that they grow out of within six months. Yeah. Um, so hopefully by September, it should be pretty much resolved. Um, mm, so yeah, it was just very unexpected as well. Having a newborn and then dealing with that guilt as well was just a bit like, oh God, yeah. it's like all happening again. But um, yeah, she is doing really well. And uh, yeah, Bloom's doing really well as well. Yeah, she's getting there slowly with her weight after not really gaining um for a good eight weeks <laughs> yeah so yeah she's finally getting there getting some little rolls now good it's just mad how much having a new baby can affect these toddlers isn't it well yeah you just don't you just think oh that person's had another baby you like go them you don't think about everything that yeah. like the big adjustments it takes because you have your first baby and it's just you have one baby and it's all about that one baby and Mm -hmm. then suddenly you've got to juggle two and you're like "Uh uh-oh what have I done (laughs) what do I do now yeah I I give up I put it back put it back (laughs) (laughs) yeah know that one so this is the bit that everyone looks forward to at the end of my podcast and I ask everyone this question and it is, what is your most embarrassing hashtag mum life moment? I think it would actually have to be the other day. Um, I answered the, I'd 
I've got these breastfeeding tops with zips in the side that have been a godsend. Um, but being at home um, all day, <laughs> I COVID been at school, so I had my zip down and I answered the door to the postman, and then it was only ten minutes later that I realised I hadn't actually put my boob away. <laughs> So I was like, oh my goodness. And he's such a nice person as well that he wouldn't have even said anything. Mm. And But I just, I had to bend down to get the parcel and then I turned sideways so I know he saw it and I'm oh, like, no. oh my God, just fall into a hole and die. I, lit- and I feel like every breastfeeding mother has done this though. Like I've heard know, so many like, of these stories. But then when it happens to you, you're like, oh my God. I bet and they've seen I've it all before. I hope so. I hope he's seen everyone's boobs up the street because, <laughs> my goodness, I'm just like not that person. I'm such a reserved person when it comes to yeah. breastfeeding. I'm not See, overly confident in getting my boob out in front of anyone. So I was like, oh my god, I just want the world to swallow me up. Yeah, I know what you mean. See, I'm the opposite. I think if that had happened to me, I'd have been like, oh well, whatever. <laughs> You've seen my tip. Never mind. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, oh I think it happens to the best of us. I've actually been, I've got a guest on on Thursday who um wrote the book Mum's the Word, and she calls them catastrophes. And there are many stories in that book about her tip being out when it shouldn't be. Yeah, they have mine of their own. <laughs> <laughs> they do indeed. All right. On that note, thank you very much for coming onto my podcast. It's really exciting to have you here, and it's been lovely chatting to you. Oh, thank you. I'm going to go see Bloom. I can hear her crying. So that's my cue to leave. Oh, bless you. Thank you very much. See you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe, download and leave me a review. Find more Mum Life moments over on Instagram at a little bit of Lottie. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on next week's episode.